0: Hey listeners, this is Loam editor Kylea Frederick. Thanks for tuning into Loam Listen with Amirio Freeman. To continue supporting us and showing up as an independent publishing and media company, we are asking for your support. If you enjoy our audio or publishing offerings, please consider visiting our Patreon where you can become a Loam member. For as little as four dollars a month, you will receive a monthly curated missive that includes early access to all our publications and products, along with first calls for submissions and other small gifts. Find us at Patreon.com/LoamLove. I hope you enjoyed this episode.
1: Hi there, I'm Amiria Freeman and you're listening to Loam Listen, your home for playful, juicy conversations on how we can reimagine the ways we live and relate to each other to survive and thrive within and beyond this moment. In this episode, you'll be hearing from Tayla Shanang. Tayla is a cisgender woman of color, a mother, a healer, a researcher, and a living body. She holds a master's in psychological studies with a concentration in somatic psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies, where she is currently pursuing her PhD in women's spirituality. She lives in the occupied Anishinaabek lands of the so-called Upper Peninsula of Michigan with her son, partner, and elder four-legged. She is committed to a loving relationship with the living earth so that the land, waters, and seasons can do their good as shaping her body and humbling her mind. Over the next few episodes of Lone Listen, as we sit at the horizon of a new year and witness a world in transformation, we'll be diving into all aspects of birth, from mothering to how we raise young people in our lives to be free. Our first stop, exploring the messiness of birth With Taylor. In Reverence of Mess, we're doing things a little bit differently with this episode. Instead of a usual one-on-one conversation, you'll be hearing some recent musings that Taylor recorded in her home, which offer gorgeous and timely insights on birth, motherhood, and revelations we can find in unruliness. After, you'll hear Taylor guide me through an embodied practice that helps us revel in the liberatory potential that comes with leaning into mess. So let's roll up our sleeves and dive in. It's
0: early 2021, it's January. It's late afternoon. It's winter, unoccupied Anishinaabek lands, which is so-called Northern Michigan, the shores of Lake Superior, where I've settled with my family and the sun is out. It's like a balmy 30 degrees outside and I've just come in from the fire ring. And as I was sitting out there drinking in sunshine, unexpectedly gifted to us in this middle of winter day, I was thinking about how funny it is this idea of giving birth as an idea (laughs) how we love to use birth as metaphor for change for transformation of ideas of communities of ourselves it's a well-loved metaphor it's A deeply unknown experience. Highly mysterious in so many ways. Highly mysterious what it is to give birth. And it's an everyday miracle. There's something so basic about birth. It happens all the time, it happens every day. How can something be so poetic and metaphorical for all of our transformations, all of our creation in life, so basic and miraculous at the same time, and so mysterious. What does it mean to bring forward new, the new, the new? What does it mean to bring forward the new version of us, the new world that we co-create together, what does it mean to birth? And what does it do to birth to hold it as idea, as metaphor? What happens to the everyday miracle? What happens to the mystery? I've been orienting toward this new year, and grateful for the gift of sunshine and 30 degrees in this far north country. Dreaming about birthing a new world, a new reality, a new community, a new human experience on this planet, in myself, with my family. Keeps reminding me that birth is not a metaphor. Birth is not an idea. Birth is an action. It is the active participation in the delivering of life and also the intense active participation with surrender. Birth is not a metaphor though it offers us some kind of understanding of the mystery of creation. So as I think about birthing forward a new world, this, this cycle around the sun, I have to remember, at least for myself, that if I want to birth a new future, that takes work that that is not a metaphor, that that is deep, active engagement, that that is profound, all-encompassing surrender, that that is embodied, that that is blood, sweat, and tears, that that is physical, that is earthly. Hmm. I think about birth all the time. Uh, my research as a PhD student, at the California Institute of Integral Studies in Philosophy and Religion is about birth, about the spiritual implications of the birthing process, about the profound mysticism available to a birth giver's consciousness. When they enter into the experience of birthing. I love birth. It's the most profound thing I've ever experienced as a new mother, of power, of surrender, of self-knowledge, of vulnerability, of fierceness, of nature. It's spellbinding, delivering a human into this world, carrying and gestating a human on this earth. Witnessing witnessing the self turn inside out is the biggest gift I've ever received. And that's also why it's so dangerous why something like the medical system here in the United States and arguably in most Western civilizations has kind of co-opted that state of consciousness. Now don't get me wrong, medicalization has its place. After 36 hours of labor myself, I needed a hospital. My dreams of birthing at home were shattered by complications that brought me close to death and delivered my child in a hospital instead of at home. And yet in those 36 hours before arriving to the hospital, I came to know ancestry, spirit, earth, power, weather in a whole different way. And so my focus in the world, my dedication in the world is to ensure the necessity of that wild, expanded state of birthing consciousness is elevated to its proper place. And I don't think that birth is medicalized on accident. I don't think that those who give birth are accidentally disempowered in the process, accidentally traumatized in the process. There's something of a design, the system of patriarchy, of white supremacy, of power over capitalism, extractivism, sexism, and hobophobia that ensures that this most vulnerable and most powerful moment of life for those who choose to birth is muddled that the power is taken away from the birth giver and given to the hands of physicians who are on a time scale dictated by a clock and not by nature. So when I think about birth, when I think about reclaiming our birthright to an equitable, just, balanced environment inside of ecosystems that are healthy and sustaining, I return to mother, the archetype of mother, the experience of birth giving that transitions a person from an individual into a deeply spiritually connected holder of other. And it's not quite enough to To imagine something different, and hope that it will change with what we do after birth. If we do not change the practices of birth themselves, if we do not change the practices around pregnancy itself. Not just for the child to be born, but for the birth giver, for the womb. It's of critical importance. Most of the time, I can't think of anything more important. I don't know about you, but I can't help but let the storming of the Capitol by Trump supporters fill my consciousness. Though I try to be mindful of how I use my psychic energy, I can't help but have moments filled with the visual of that many humans storming the capital. Visuals of people's faces that looked almost crazed with rage. I feel really confused sometimes when I let it occupy my mind too long. Not because it's surprising, not because it's unexpected, not because it's unfamiliar, no, no, no. (laughs) This is what America does, right? But that I'm seeing it in this particular way during my particular lifetime. That somehow confuses my system that movement from knowing to experiencing or witnessing in context. We live in this incredible moment where everything is upside down. We're all upside down. We're all being turned inside out. The multiple pandemics that rage across this globe white supremacy, coronavirus, femicide, ecocide, fill in the blank. And they're all presenting themselves in such a profound way that says, hey, look, hey, listen, hey, look, hey, listen, hey, look, hey, listen, and it's messy. It's volatile, it's disruptive. And we're all just inside out about it. And there are some that want to get outside back in. Try to get back someplace, back to something that felt more comfortable, more benign. And yet when I see that sea of people storming the Capitol, I know deep in my bones there is no going back to anything. And though I've held that prayer from the kickoff of this coronavirus pandemic, prayer that we don't try to go back to normal, because normal hasn't ever really been that normal. The way forward the way through has made itself more abundantly clear. And it is sure to be rough. It is sure to keep us inside out for some time. So what do we do with that? How does that empower us? Does that, can it? I have an 18 month old child. Ooh, this child is something I <laughs> couldn't imagine. I'm such a teacher, such a wise, hilarious, beautiful, vibrant being, and I see—I see, I see the little body running and climbing and playing, and then I see these bigger bodies running and climbing and destroying, and my breath catches. you are all children at the end of the day. And I recognize that what I do now is what will shapeshift who they become. What I do now, with my own becoming, my own awareness, with my own energy in relationship to this changing of the world, has very little to do with me. Has everything to do with my child, your child, our children. I want to raise them up, liberated. And now I see so deeply and so clearly and so viscerally what. Uh, I'm trying to liberate them from. How do I know I'm here? I have to kind of ask myself that question on a regular basis because it's really easy to not know I'm here. It's really easy to think that I'm actually inside my own stories about reality or I'm inside the newsfeed or I'm inside the... The stories of our collective consciousness that I'm inside the nightmare I have to ask myself how do I know that I'm here and it's actually quite simple it's incredibly difficult I don't want to conflate simplicity with difficulty or with ease I mean things that are tend to be simple are extraordinarily difficult for us to do simple but not easy it's kind of like one of our catchphrases in the somatic psychology program when I was doing my master's. This is simple, and it is not easy. Presence. How do we, how do we come back here? For me, getting present is a very much an embodied practice. It's a physical, physiological, somatic, textured, sensational, movement-based experience of right now one of my favorite practices has actually been to ask myself how i know i'm washing my hands and i can like look at my hands and watch listen to the water and say like oh yeah well obviously that's what i'm doing look at me i'm washing my hands but how do i know that that is what is occurring and so i've been taking this practice to wash my hands and name aloud how i know oh there's heat and wet water on my hands and then I can feel the soap as it starts as a slippery spot in the middle of my hand and it begins to slide and between my fingers and there's this kind of a glorious suction sound that happens when I rub real vigorously and I can feel the viscosity thickening of the soap. and. Oh, the slippery kind of sensation, that smooth sliding of skin on skin. There's something so sensual and so exciting about that. And then I can actually feel one fingernail go underneath another and scrape and find those tender spots where I know it's the edge. And then I find my hands underneath that water again, that warmth, feeling the slippery viscosity of the soap slide away and coming into the texture of wet skin skin that feels like mine again, that feels wholly mine, and then I feel the water drip as I turn the water off, and just hold my hands and witness them wet and clean. That's how I know I'm washing my hands. At least sometimes. Sometimes I know it by the strange shape my hands take when I am in a hurry and don't really want to be washing my hands but feel like it's appropriate to do and I can feel the kind of stiff fingers rubbing together and I can hear the friction and it's over and a jiff, <laughs> I wasn't really there for it. So what does it mean to get present? It means that there are simple things that we do that we don't know we're doing. We don't know how we know we're doing them. How? How is by far the most important embodied question. If I am an embodied being, how do I know I am an embodied being? Because as I'm speaking now, I can feel the movement of saliva in the corners of my mouth, and I can come into some awareness that I'm a little damp from kind of feeling a little excited about talking about my hand-washing experiment. And I can feel those belly breaths, and I can I can feel that smirk on my mouth when I, when I ask myself how, because it's uh, that sly trick of my body that says, are you really here? <laughs> how do you know? So embodied life, yeah, how we know what we know. I've been taking a lot of those really deep breaths lately. You know, the ones with the big sigh and the sound at the end that is really more or less just to help me know that I'm still breathing. Because there's a lot of reasons to hold my breath these days. To find myself bound up in anticipation and fear and anxiety and fill in the blank that multiple pandemics bring us. Holding my breath, waiting for a moment of release and not realizing that I could have one, just for a moment, briefly, with a sigh. And so I sigh. And it returns me to the present moment, even just for that moment, until I hold it again, (laughs) which I will. And that has me just like coming back to this notion of what does it mean to be in a body during these times? I mean, the influence of white supremacy and being inside of certain kinds and colors and shapes and abilities of bodies really determines how we occupy those bodies. Being inside of a pandemic with this unseen virus moving so swiftly throughout our communities and changing and morphing in its own... Its own influence on those bodies changes how we live in our bodies in this world. We adapt very quickly. We adapt unconsciously. We adapt with responses of fear and responses of anger, fright. And if we're not careful, we lose track of the fact that we're in response to these kind of wider influences around us and that we do have choice of how we show up. That we can indeed actually take big breaths. I think for several years I've thought that the revolution will be embodied and that continues to mean more to me every day. And it's, it's not an easy task. I mean, returning to our bodies requires that we come into contact with all of this unconscious material that we've been storing, stories and traumas and limiting belief systems. It means that we tackle our wounds with love and with compassion and with tenderness. It means that we feel sensation, emotion, presence, the current moment, each other. It means that we have to commit to regular practice that brings us out of our kind of rational linear thinking into the cyclical nature of reality it means that we have to actually live here on this planet in this time with this reality in these bodies that hurt that struggle that suffer that scare us (laughs) This is not an easy task. This is a full-time job. And if you have a full-time job and you're now working from home and you're also a parent and you've got children and, you know, and you're trying to, like, navigate politics inside of your family and make sure that you're all eating and getting enough sleep and water, what do you mean getting present if that's another full-time job? Yeah, what do I mean? What do I mean? I mean, it's actually the only full-time job we have, embodiment. That if we can actually engage those practices that caretake our nervous systems, that bring us back into the present moments, that help us drown so that we know we live here right now, then right now, whatever the task at hand is, becomes an embodied expression of life. Writing an email becomes an embodied expression of connection versus a task to check off a list. Maybe it remains... The task, but the checking off even becomes an embodied act. I guess what I'm trying to say is that as I look around at the world, as I feel into my experience of the world right now, I'm just in this deep recognition that we need to be here. We need to be here for whatever occurs, however it occurs. We actually have to be here for it. The impulse to travel outside of the here and now, whether it's into our internet devices or to Mars, (laughs) doesn't change the fact that we live here now. Actually, it doesn't change it. And the only thing that changes here and now is our presence to it.
1: Deep breaths in in. Mm. Oh my gosh, it is time. Hi Taylor. Welcome to Loam. Listen, how are you?
0: I am here and what a glorious thing to be grateful for. I'm here. it's so good to be with you
1: (laughs) oh and i'm breaking the fourth wall but for the benefit of the listeners we have been planning this conversation for i think at this point a couple of months maybe i think i might have been connected with you via kate um founder of loam maybe around november and i think over email um we were coordinating and then after that had a brainstorming session over zoom so this conversation, this entire episode um has been orchestrated over the course of a few months. And wow, like what a <laughs> I'm just laughing because <laughs> the past few months have been um uh I don't even know how to put mm-hmm. it in words. How have you been feeling over these past few months since we first initially connected online?
2: Mm.
0: How have I been feeling <laughs> Um similarly to how I feel now, those kind of moments of both being um grounded and inside of those practices that help me, you know, stay present and totally inside out and tender and vulnerable and scared. And right, I've I feel like the past several months has been like a true initiation into the full range of human experience. Um and it's profound. It's profound and a little, little rocky at times. A lot of the time, actually. But it's also uh, full of moments of of true grace and, um, yeah, and ground and and breath. And so I'm, I'm coming out to this moment, which is also a moment of anticipation here, right? The be, um, before the official inauguration. Um, but feeling, yeah, feeling that breath in, in these moments. And that's really all I can ask for. And I'm receiving it. So there's abundance in that.
1: No, thank you for that. And thank you for lifting up the abundance. Um, I think the word I was looking for is that these times have really felt messy, which is sort of a through line of this episode and the framing. Um, for what we're about to do next. And I think these times have really lent themselves to this idea of mess and how mess can really help us to um, go from a place of being um, sort of caught in the shadows, getting us to a place of truth, getting us to a place of power, getting us to a place where we can be bolder braver really aiming and posturing our hearts towards liberation or mm-hmm. whatever that means for you um, personally in whatever capacities whatever definitions. so these past few months i've really felt like a case study into how do we go from a place of mess to something better to something greater and our listeners have just sort of sat with um some musings that you've recorded previous to this um, just sort of diving and waiting um, with the idea of mess as a framework that we can use that using your language can be a place of abundance. And right now we're gonna dive into an activity together that anyone listening can do to again embody all these um, ideas and thoughts. So before we dive into that, um, just for the benefit of the audience, who are you and what do you do?
0: <laughs> uh, so, I'm Taylor Chennai, uh, and I, I currently reside on occupied Anishinaabe land. So, I'm in the far north of so called uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan um, on the shores of Ichigami, which is Lake Superior. Um, And yeah, I'm originally from Apache lands in Colorado. So it's a, it's a stark contrast being here in the Midwest. And it's really been teaching me a lot about resilience and seasonality and cycles in a way that, um, is informing all of the things I quote unquote do. And, um, I find myself being in many different positions in the world. Um, I occupy the role as a kind of therapeutic counselor or guide um, working with individuals on the, through a somatic lens on navigating life. Um, I'm also a PhD student at the California Institute of Integral Studies, um, where I am getting my PhD in a philosophy and religion program called women's spirituality. And my focus is on ecofeminism and spiritual activism. Um, and my main research is looking at the Um, state of consciousness that we, uh, as we, I'm speaking to people who give birth um, to birth life that birth live children go into in order to actually complete that task um, and kind of trying to unpack both the um, political implications of that state of consciousness as well as the ecological implications of that state of consciousness. So I think about birth a lot. Um, I think about Parenting and motherhood a lot. I think about the body a lot. I spend a lot of time thinking about those things. Um, I'm also a medicine maker. I'm a mama of a 19 month old wild human. Uh, I like to consider myself a homemaker. I love canning food and making things from scratch. And um, yeah, I'm a partner. I'm I'm a traveler in this kind of cosmic universe. And uh, yeah, I'm really grateful to be occupying, occupying this this place and being alive in this wild, messy time um, and learning from it as best I can.
1: No, and we're equally excited to be here with you in whatever capacity. And I became familiar with your work through loam, through Nourishing the Nervous System. And what I love about that specific text and your work in general, Is that it's very embodied and it's very somatic and it's very rooted in the body. And I come personally from academia. So whenever I approach sort of the themes um, that Loam so deliciously explores, I'm usually thinking of it from a place of the mind and thought and theory. Mm -hmm. And then I'm always kind of like, oh, but there has to be an actual practice or praxis or ritual or something rooted in the hands the senses that fully activates all these things because at the end of the day we are sensual sensuous creatures we live in a material physical world so there always has to be this bridge and this connection between those two things so I'm super excited to be here with you talking about mess as a framework and with Mm -hmm. that said let's get into again this embodied activity that you have prepared for us for us to really dive into the messiness in our lives in whatever capacity and really thinking through and reflecting on the lessons that can be drawn from the meandering discongruous um parts of our lives
0: yeah i think i think mess is glorious um I didn't always think that, <laughs> but I've come to accept that that's kind of how it is in the world. The more I kind of zoom in and zoom out on the different layers of existence, I really have come to see the beauty that, uh, that nature has provided us, which is totally messy. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's without order and doesn't mean that it's without meaning. And I think that our thinking minds Uh, like to imagine that we know how things go and so we kind of get addicted to a certain kind of order and imagine that as clean or not messy Um, and that tries to help us bypass the mess in general Um, and so this particular exercise uh, is one that I love because it invites us to actually get really clear on what comes up for us when we are actively in the process of making a quote unquote mess. And by kind of like externalizing this and and getting our actual hands involved in something that doesn't have any um, end goal, right? I'm not like making a mess to produce something, but just being in the mess for the sake of the mess. letting that messiness kind of guide me and learning how to make some space between the mess itself and all of my kind of reactive um, responses to the idea of mess, to the, to the sight of mess, to the texture of mess Um, and creating in creating some space. I actually can allow the mess to do what it does and be what it is. And that also gives me permission to be myself in dynamic relationship to it. Um, Instead of kind of internalizing mess and imagining that I can hide it. Because um, it just kind of finds its way out anyway. So, the, the practice um, that you and I, and anyone that is so inspired um, to play with, um, is we're going to actually make a mess um, with something squishy that has form that we're going to change form. So, I'm going to work with a very large banana. What are you going to work with?
1: Um, So I was looking through my fridge and I was like, oh, I have some yummy, about to be expired blueberries. So I'll be working with those little guys.
0: Excellent. And so the practice is going to be kind of going through a mindful awareness of what does it mean for us to change these things with our hands? Um, What does it mean for us to squish and to pop and to make a mess of something with our hands. And we're gonna take it nice and slow um, to allow those uh, moments of recognition that, ooh, maybe I don't like that, or ooh, I have some judgment about that, or what am I doing this for? Like all of those kind of narratives to actually take up their proper space so that we can continue moving forward um, instead of trying to just get the mess making over with and then then moving on to something else. So the first thing I wanna, invite you to do is, if you feel good, you can close your eyes or you can just kind of like rest your gaze um, on something uh, in front of you kind of softly. and Just take a moment to
3: notice that you're breathing. Just notice the quality of your breath, how it moves. Just coming into an awareness of the fact that we're breathing.
0: Maybe noticing if you have feelings about where we're going, if you're imagining how this is going to be, if there's some excitement, there's some wiggliness, just letting that also be true. And then when you feel like you're landed, I'm just going to invite you to either open your eyes or orient your gaze to the thing you're going to transmute into a mess. So for you, it's the blueberries. For me, it's this beautiful banana.
1: Well, so I just want to say I'm already, I feel like a six-year-old again, and (laughs) I'm already activating a sense of play and it's already going against all of my natural inclinations. I'm sitting here like, why do I have these in my hands right <laughs> now? <laughs> Excellent.
0: Yes, that, that's definitely invite in the sense of play. Um, I've I've got that too. I've got like a silly kind of smirk as I look at this banana. Like, Ooh. We're going on an adventure. Um, And then just kind of take a moment to also gaze at your hands. Um, They are going to occupy the role of mess maker, those extensions of us that get to participate in the mess, unless you want to use your feet, which you could do that too. I'm going to stick with my hands. (laughs) Maybe that's that's next time, graduate to (laughs) feet. um and so when you're ready however you've got yourself set up whether you've got a plate or a towel or you're just going to go for it onto your clothes right however it feels good um go ahead and bring those things into your hands and then just wrap your hands around those blueberries over there I'm going to wrap my hands around the banana and just feel the form of it
1: so right now for me um the berries are definitely cold. They're straight out the fridge. And already, like I mentioned, they're close to being expired. So they're already kind of like mushy and slimy. Mm-hmm. And there's some nice audio going. You have some ooey gooey squishiness happening.
0: And so just begin to really like Dig your hands into the textures, into the flesh of those berries. I'm starting to squeeze into the banana. I invite you to really kind of use your fingertips so that it starts to kind of make its way under your nails a little bit. And then
3: holding everything in your hands, pause. And again, just come back to your breath. feeling the things in your hands
0: the texture in your hands and maybe even say out loud one thing you notice about how you are now now that we've begun squishing
1: i feel so much more attuned to my senses Mm. i'm noticing my breathing i'm hearing it and now that we've activated these food items I'm just paying a lot more attention to the texture the coldness um the ridges the smoothness even the smell I'm Mm -hmm. fully noticing just how sweet these smell Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm noticing some of the kind of power in my hands like what it takes to actually like squish something yeah feeling the underneath of my nails feel really full and also feeling kind of like my arms engaged all the way from my shoulders, maybe even my neck a little bit. And as I kind of look at the banana using my visual sense, I'm also aware that I can tell it's a banana, even though (laughs) it's totally out of shape all of a sudden. It's kind of out of sorts.
1: And it's really freeing to just be in the place of exploration versus, as you mentioned, having an outcome, having a purpose. You know, these berries, this man isn't going in a smoothie, it's not going in a cake, it's not going in a pie. We don't know what's going to happen to it. Mm-hmm. And so exciting about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So we're going to go ahead and keep, playing when you in your mess however that starts to look for you i'm gonna get a little closer so you can hear the glorious sound of a banana
1: sorry that isaac our editor i'm sure he's like what is going on now? <laughs> <laughs> so now i'm just describing what i see and we're definitely getting on my end a nice blueberry pulp situation going on mm my hands are absolutely going to be stained but i love it there's so much juice flowing across my fingers onto my hand i have a towel out in front of me and it's just covered in beautiful juices right now
0: so i'm going to invite you to notice how you're making a mess how are you how are you doing it are you squeezing a lot are you rubbing your hands together are you rolling things over your hands are you pushing things down or into themselves how what are the actions that you're taking to actually make this mess
1: it's so interesting you asked that I feel like as I'm making the mess I feel like I'm trying to make the least messy mess My main technique has been to keep a couple of berries in each hand and create a fist and slowly Mm. the same amount of pressure into each fist. So it's very contained right now, but now I'm inspired to switch it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, so maybe try on a different way of making mass. I was... Squeezing really tightly, and now now I'm just kind of rubbing the banana between my hands, kind of rubbing it over the tops of my hands, pressing it, trying to get, like, those really, the chunks I can find. I find I'm, like, gravitated toward finding the chunks.
1: <laughs> I'm now keeping all the berries in one hand and squeezing the juice into the other, just to switch it <laughs> a little bit. I would love to know as we're squishing and playing a question has popped into my head you
3: mentioned
1: your background you mentioned being a mama um you mentioned mothering and birth and one thing I'm thinking about right now is I'm making a mess I'm just thinking about the person who will usually pin up all of my messes (laughs) which was my mom and Mm -hmm. I'm thinking so deeply about Um, how mess is so incredibly gendered from who we employ to clean up our messes, our little ones. Um, I'm thinking about, for some reason, body hair and how it's considered a mess when it comes to beauty. But we know that now it's really been a way to um, confine and constrict and really narrowly define what it means to be a woman. And I would love to know for you, what are the implications of, at least in American society, mess being so deeply gendered and being something that we fully expect people who we identify as being women, who self-identify as being women, um, to handle and to take care of?
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, I really love that question. And as you were asking it, I noticed that my mess making process shifted from kind of like, kind of luxuriously rolling my hands and squished bananas to like throwing splats of it on my my plate here. So something has changed for me just in that question of what am I doing with this mess? Is this my mess? And, you know, I think that we live inside of a culture of these. Intense binaries, right? Um, where it, under the umbrella of other, we find the feminine, we find queerness, we find nature, we find blackness and indigeneity, and right there's this there's this other category um, that is not the the white cis male middle class and. Um, And part of what I feel is some of that rejection is because that's also where um, the mess gets placed. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And that's in part because there is a recognition of the truth of mess, the existence of mess, the, the necessity of mess. Um, like I said I think a lot about childbirth and if we are ever granted the honor to be witness or participate or experience an unmedicated or unmedicalized childbirth it can be really sweet and serene and it's also pretty messy there's all kinds of fluids and stuff that you didn't even know was possible, sounds you didn't know were possible, space taking you didn't know was possible. It's a very messy process to create life. If I think about volcanoes creating land, it's a messy process. If I think about compost returning to soil, it's a pretty messy process. If I think about um, liberation work, it's a pretty messy process.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so there's something about the truth of what it means to be alive on this living planet that is a pretty significant threat to this overarching ideology of order or that to somehow be human is to get out, out from underneath the messiness. Um, and inside the messiness, I've come to realize at least a truth for me is that that's all that there really is. Mm. and that that's actually where the power lies the power lies in being able to genuinely reciprocate mess with love and playfulness and joy and sensuality and clarity not to assume that i know where things belong mm. but to allow those things to unfold in their own kind of messy way to guide me into where i belong mm. and so I think that it's a it's both a toxic um, yeah control mechanism, right, of our culture to try to put everything in, in neat order. But I also think that as we occupy those marginalized identities, we also know something about the beauty of mess, the the pleasure of speaking truth. To power, which is a messy thing. Mm. The pleasure of sensuality and sexuality, mm. which is messy. The pleasure of children, who are messy. <laughs> the pleasure of soil and food and nature, which is messy. Mm. Um, which is not to be say not to say that it's dirty. Dirt is in, in our culture, right? There's there's something negative about it so not to say it's dirty in that negative way so part of my orientation in reclaiming mess is kind of being inside of an active agency that yes it is messy and sure i also know how to clean it and i know how to make it know how to be with it i know how to allow it and that is actually power that's actual power
1: I love this idea of mess being revelatory because that goes for many of us against our inclination of order being the thing that will reveal something um, that will be the most functional, that will be the most useful, Um, but I love this idea that mess can actually get us to where we need to be and... Mm -hmm. I think mess is like our natural, it's our natural instinct. There's something so inherent about it. And I love that you mentioned identities. As a queer person, I'm already thinking so much about how queerness, my identity, um, being queer has so much slipperiness.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Messiness. You're alighting all these um, binaries which um, presuppose a sense of order um, that's, you know, God given, that's inherent. Right,
3: right.
1: When really the messiness lies in all those things that are fully outside and in between and underneath and around. Um, and are these things that reveal themselves over time?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So just notice how you're making a mess now. Uh, we're talking about it in this way. What do, you, what do you notice about how you're doing it now?
1: It's so much more fluid.
0: It's
1: mm-hmm. very... Um, this feels truly like an act of jazz leaning into curiosity. Um, and there's like a sense of like monstrosity and just like unruliness. Like, <laughs> Blueberries are in a form that I have never truly seen. Um, But it's begging me to ask the question of what is this new form revealing? This new form exists in messiness. What can I actually learn from it? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's something deep about that metaphor of the moorling to mess the more you're able to find that exists outside of, like, this supposed inherent order, there's so much more to explore, so much more to extract, so much more to engage with.
0: And we see things in, in also their true form, right? Like, I was looking at this banana, which was so neat, and it's, like, peel and you know it's like that's a banana and now as I'm playing with (laughs) this very slippery kind of grainy a little like clumpy grayish yellow very sweet smelling banana I'm like this is a banana (laughs) this is also a banana and that if I weren't to eat this banana and let it brown and Lay it down on the ground, that eventually it would still look like
3: this.
0: (laughs) Like it would still turn into mush and other creatures would go around making use of it. And it's still a banana until it's not anymore.
2: Mm.
0: And so there's something to be said about all the different shapes that we take, all the different ways that we can occupy ourselves, occupy the world. Um, that allows us to surrender to our own messiness, that that sometimes I look like a really beautiful, not-spotted yellow banana, and sometimes I'm this, like, indescribable goop that is still sweet and (laughs) and smells like banana. I can tell it's a banana and also moves in a way that, I don't know, I don't know it to to move all the time. Um, And then there's something sacred about that. And one of the things I'm really appreciating is our capacity to be inside of mess together. And that if we actually, as we're oriented to our own messiness and the messes that we're making, right, we're making a collective meaning together instead of I think the habit, at least that I've had in witnessing of trying to just hide my mess from the world, and imagine that uh, I can tend my mess in my own way.
1: Can you say more about naming and who has the access to mess. Um, I love these food metaphors, I'm gonna keep using them, and as I'm playing with my blueberries, I'm kind of like, this form actually feels familiar, like, If I were a chef, maybe I would call this some sort of, like, version of a compote, maybe. Mm. I'm thinking, um, in a less metaphorical sense, who has the right to name something as a mess, and who has the right and the luxury and the space and the access to sit with their mess and explain it, and... Actually, prior to this recording, we were talking a bit about code switching and about all the different ways we have to shape shift as people of color to survive within the architecture of white supremacy, which we're actively also trying to break down. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on how mess can even be sort of this limited commodity that it seems like only a few of us are able to fully access. Mm. I
3: often
1: as a queer person, it's like, do I have that right to be messy in private or in public? And if I am messy in certain spheres of my life, will it be understood as messiness, as a really human way of living, or will it be considered, you know, anger? Will it be considered disruption? Will it be considered... Um, you know, an affliction even.
0: Right. I think that's a brilliant question. And there's a part of me that wants to just really say, I don't know. <laughs> right. uh, because I think as as folks on the margins, you know, part of part of our power is like actually being able to identify, like, oh, this is a mess. Like this is a legitimate mess, where people in the center. Maybe see it and feel it, but they 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 have access to a denial that, um, that we on the margins maybe don't always have the same access to. Right? So thinking about access to denial in the same way we think of access to mess. And I think there's this part of me that says if we're if we're able to learn how it is that we're messy.
2: Mm.
0: We're able to be with our experience of witnessing ourselves go from this kind of like gripping, squeezing thing to like, wow, now I'm just spread, it. I can spread it around, I can make space. We can start to create some space between us and the mess. We can start to say, oh, this is the part of the mess that hurts, right? So there's hurt here and there's mess. And in doing that, we allow for the mess to become relational and we allow for the mess to be the field to truly be the field that we're all navigating um, with conscious intention
2: Mm.
0: and so there's something about that that feels like part of the part of navigating our messiness is owning it Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and not letting it own us which I think is what happens when we try to deny that there's a mess or we try to hide that that there's a mess. But being able to say, this is messy. This is really messy. And I'm going in. I'm going into the mess. And and this is how I'm going into the mess. Mm. Whether it's by naming something or by I'm going to feel how this makes me feel. I'm going to feel the texture of it. I'm going to i'm going to not squeeze i'm actually going to take space and not squeeze so hard and let it slide through my fingers first but being really curious more or less how we make messes that then allows us to own our act of messiness which doesn't get rid of the mess Mm -hmm. right but really allows us to enter into dynamic relationship in the way that you and i are making meaning and having a dynamic relationship while we're both like over here in our own little messes it's it's metaphorical this banana and those blueberries and it's not it's actual like i've learned i learned a lot about myself in the past however long i've been playing with this banana mush i've like not even touched the peel i don't even care about the peel anymore and it's like straight in the mush right it's a change in color, and I there's a gentleness that's come over me the more that I surrender into the fact that this is a mess. Mm,
1: and I love that you're making the mess relational. You know, I'm sitting here with, at this point, a goopy, kind of beautiful puddle of <laughs> blueberry innards and remains and... I love how you're saying you're sitting with your mess and I'm sitting with mine. It's metaphorical but also true in these other ways and I'm thinking about the danger of what happens when we expect other people to hold our messes for us and
2: mm-hmm.
1: going back to sort of this broader macro societal perspectives, you know, I, I've i been thinking so deeply about Georgia and this narrative Mm -hmm. of Black women leaving America and saving the soul of America. And it just harkens back to this long history of us expecting Black women, other women of color to be our nation's custodians in more ways than ones. We fully expect women of color in this country to bear the stain of all of our messes and that relationality gets so toxic and harmful um, because it isn't their mess to bear and it never was their mess to bear. And I wonder for you, how have you navigated ensuring that your mess remains your own and getting to a place where your mess can be elucidating and illuminating and generative and not something that ends up being harmful or toxic to yourself Mm
2: -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. what's the accountability when it comes to mess
2: Mm -hmm. mess? Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i love that question and for me it's been a big surrender into the truth of messiness right And that when other people's mess are put upon me, um, I understand the larger mess that we're in in a different way, right? Because now I've got their mess on mine. So I I get to see something that they're unwilling to see. And being inside of accountability processes that hand those messes back to people um, in a way that really honors the beauty of that mess, the sweetness of that mess, and also... What's the language? the The messiness of handing it back, right? But that's the relational mess that we have to then navigate together,
3: right?
0: And sometimes we don't do it together. Sometimes I hand a mess back, and and that's that. I don't see that other that other mess or that other person anymore, right? And I have to navigate that mess, that emotional wound, that tenderness that that brings. Um, but I'm also aware of how I'm gonna try to navigate that mess, right? Mm
3: -hmm. How
0: am I going to make a mess when I ask for accountability, right? That that's messy. And that's why a lot of our history has uh, said that we can't do it because it's too messy. People aren't aren't willing to take their messes back, right? Mm -hmm. Especially from black and brown femme. And so I think there's something about this practice that we're in right of getting really clear on how we make messes that applies to how we navigate accountability because it's not a clear it's not a clear line right now right and so i can definitely like have that tight grip and that squeeze that i had at the beginning of like take this mess back i don't want it right and i can also be inside of that this kind of turning it over and being gentle with it and and that it's an act of discernment when it's most appropriate to squeeze and when it's most important to splat and when it's most important to swirl and and be inside of the messy process that it is of accountability. I think mess can teach us everything about how to navigate mess, which is not to say how to clean it up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Though it can teach us that too. Ooh.
1: I'm just looking at my hinge right now and you know like the lines on your hand I think like back in middle school you would be like oh that's the hand that's going to tell you how long you're going to be married for well, and <laughs> it's like loving how it's like stained right now like mm. the really rich and purple and blue and I just meet like a little blueberry pulp mud hill that I'm very excited about right now <laughs> uh, just remind us that the mess the lessons are deep there I think
0: really deep yeah
1: to dive into look into
0: so I'm just going to invite you to pause with your puddle making or your mountain or (laughs) blueberry pulp I've got a little bit of banana in my hands and just take a moment to check in with your system again check in with your breath with the muscles in your shoulders, your hands. What are you noticing about here in the middle of it?
1: Oof, just a deep, deep, deep illness. Just a levity.
2: <laughs>
1: a levity coming out of. This is just me in the moment, feeling so grounded, feeling so, um, unoccupied by what's going on right now around me. What's going on with work, with the world, my relationships, family, friends. I'm just so deeply committed to, um, this, again, relationality between myself and the self-imposed mess and there's such a deep sense again of surrender and being unconcerned and just finding so much gleefulness and mm-hmm. the disorder of it all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling that reclaiming of the irrational, <laughs> the beautiful irrationality. It's so wonderful in my opinion, um, to just lean into like, the irrationality of this mess. And as I lean into it, there's so much logic to be found. So much of myself I understand about how I've oriented toward messes and noticing the impulse to maybe wipe my hands, like feeling like, oh, maybe I'm at an edge, maybe maybe I wanna clean up now. Um, And sitting at that edge and saying, Okay, well, how would I do that in a way that doesn't try to get away from this mess, but really like lets the what's the lessons of it sink in through my through my hands?
1: I don't know if anyone has coined this, but Taylor, I feel like there's just something so deep here around the epistemology of mess. (laughs) Um, please, like, (laughs) book, I need it right now. And I'm thinking deeply about just your musings on form and shape-shifting and Mm. how mess reminds us in its own way that there are so many other forms to take. They're infinite. The potential is literally limitless and that just gives me so much hope. And I think for me, that's probably the takeaway just thinking about the way our world is currently postured and how it's currently structured, I often think like, damn, like, I don't know. I have days where I'm pessimistic and I'm like, I don't know if we're able to change the embodiment that we've been stuck in for so Mm -hmm. long. And I think the epistemological mess just kind of like bumps back and says, no, like, there are always new postures to take. There are always new structures to take on. There are always infinite ways of being, um, and there's nothing inherent to humans needing to live the way that we're living now within. So within the margins, within the disorder, within the mess, what are those other ways of being that we can tap into?
0: Mm -hmm. And some of the things that like feel like they ran to the surface in this exercise, this play time with you is play, (laughs) is sensuality, Mm. is the surrender to texture, Mm. the surrender to sound, the surrender to smell, the surrender to the senses that we have access to. Mm -hmm. um that let us know let us know that there's a mess and then as we drop into those senses becoming aware of how we are in relationship to those things and recognizing that we are in a moment of choice always how i'm holding this squished banana is a moment of choice to be in relationship to this mess and it's so beautiful and it's so sweet and it's simple it's not easy it's definitely not easy but it's it is there's something about this practice that helps me remember the simplicity of choice and then find the pleasure and the sensuality and the the playfulness that holds the energy i need to make it to make that mess to whatever that looks like, to, to speak truth to power, to allow myself to be vulnerable in community or in relationship, to feel things, to birth, to dream, to create, to imagine. These these things, they don't happen just in our minds, in our intrapsychic cognitive brain minds. They, they happen with a squished banana and smashed blueberries too. (laughs) And it's a bit more grounding and it smells a lot better. Uh, (laughs) And then you can lick your hands afterward if you're into it. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's, and then it's also sweet. So. know of course this is like a contrived thing we're squishing bananas we're not we're not you know in those ways that we have been taught um enacting revolution it doesn't look like a squishing a banana on a tuesday evening but it is also and if i can get real clear on how i squish a banana i'm going to be much better at navigating the messes of our world Mm um, to find the sweetness in it, to find the play in it, to marvel at how it's covering me, mm. what it feels like on my hands.
1: Just going back to like, you know, some amazing people who are sharing pleasure, like, this is so pleasurable. <laughs> like, with your mess can be pleasurable. Yeah.
3: So pleasurable. <laughs>
1: And I think our automatic instinct is, "Oh, dealing with mess is hard and scarring and jarring and uncomfortable," which it can be, absolutely. Um, but it can also just be so deeply, so so deeply pleasurable. Uh,
0: I think, and the pleasure is that it's real.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's real. It's occurring. when i'm I'm tackling my my inner shadows or witnessing my child throw clothes all over the house or (laughs) squishing a banana i know that this is also real and how i you know there's that that adage how you do one thing is how you do everything so i invite everybody to squish a piece of fruit and figure out how you do mess (laughs) odds are you do everything that way and if you can squish a banana differently you might learn how you might tackle a different tackle dance play squish a different set of messes in your
3: life mm-hmm.
0: maybe maybe <laughs>
1: thank you so much
0: mm-hmm.
1: we squish i don't think there's any more i can get out of this so no, i'm
0: feeling complete <laughs>
1: we do now so we've made our mess
0: we've made our mess so i just want to give you a moment to to witness it however that looks if there's any pulse impulses that you want to follow as even an act of gratitude to it i'm actually going to lick some off my hands
1: i'm gonna like, taste some. it's very young. it's
2: I just,
1: so good <laughs> it's, it's tart Mm. And just a liquefied at this point.
0: We made smoothies. Um, <laughs> yeah, and just take a moment, and notice, notice your mass. And notice if how you're noticing it feels like it it looks different to you, or that there's some kind of viewing of it that you're able to take that would be different if somebody just gave you a clump of smashed blueberries. <laughs> I feel us like this overwhelming gratitude, actually. And then we're just gonna mindfully clear off our hands. Which isn't to say we're cleaning off the mess, because I think the mess will always stay with us. That's the glory of this process. But we are going to clear our hands of the substances <laughs> that are sticky. I'm noticing I'm first just kind of scraping them on this plate that I've been playing on.
1: And I have my plastic bin that the blueberries came in. So I'm just very lovingly going finger by finger and scraping off any residue back into this plastic container.
0: I'm getting between my fingers. And then yeah, if you have a towel or if you have water nearby that you want to use, but before you do and you feel like you're like about to transition to something a bit more in-depth for removing use a towel or water, just take a moment to to feel your hands. Mine feels sticky and soft, a little wrinkled from the liquid of the banana.
1: My hands feel also very soft. I'm a little, like, are there certain, like, does, like, discover, like, the latest? (laughs) Very shiny, they're glistening. There's still a lot of pulp. They're a lot darker from the juice just staining the palms of my hand. (sighs) Really deeply satisfying.
0: Yeah, my hands not only feel, like, to texturally soft, but they feel like they could just rest. They feel complete. Kind of like my body feels complete. They feel restful. Like they've done something meaningful and they feel like, you know, like there's been a communication and that they've been heard in some way, just letting them rest.
1: Almost feels like you're honoring. What your body was meant to do. Hands were meant to just feel ravenously and generously. It's also like a deep sense of reverence for just honoring my body.
0: Yeah, something ancient about, about this. Mm. And then when you're ready, go ahead and just kind of rinse or wipe your hands. They're at least a little less sticky so you can touch other things, like keyboards.
1: I have a nice bowl of water
2: mm-hmm.
1: all beside me. I deeply recommend you all if you're doing this at home. Also have some water on standby. Um, and it's just a nice feeling as well. It makes it feel this deeply ritualistic or... Mm-hmm and being reminded of all these beautiful lessons and with those in this practice as well
3: all right
1: i bring to my hands doing a few more passes I'm wiping
0: them with the t- Let's just take a moment and you can again close your eyes if that feels right. And just notice. Notice how you are now in relationship to mess. In relationship to your hands and to your breath, to this moment. Hmm and if there's anything that feels yeah nourishing supportive wise about this moment just letting yourself drink it in knowing that that's your experience that you're allowed to have and if it brought up some edgy things drink those into knowing that those are also yours to have mm. I thank you for making a mess with me
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, this was absolutely stunning and so beautiful and I hope for all of you listening that you did this with us and I hope that you're just sharing in the same sense of gratitude unexpected gratitude going into this I was like okay it feels like we're going to be making a mess and squishing fruit we'll see how it goes but this was so beautiful and just so many unexpected lessons so I'm so 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 deeply appreciative of this thank you so much
0: yeah thank you thanks for being willing and yeah it takes bravery even something as silly as squishing blueberries it brings up those things about oh why (laughs) why would I do that that sounds gross or whatever, right? And to, to be courageous enough to say, okay. Um that's the that's the courage we need to face our messes is just to step right into them and they're um, they're profound teachers.
1: Before we go and sign off, where can folks find you and all the amazing work that you do in a day-to-day?
0: Um, yeah, you can follow along on my Instagram, uh, at Taylor Shanae and also have a website, taylashanae.com. Um, you can check out musings when they come through, um, occasionally as they do. Um, and then, uh, grateful to Loam for going through with a reprint of nourishing the nervous system, a workbook for, uh, caring for ourselves during these times. Um, That's also available on the Loan website. And uh, yeah, we'll find each other in the ways that we always do. And feeling really grateful to be in this ecology and um, to offer my voice out. And I hope that um, our collective mess brings us some liberation, not from mess, but from order.
1: I think that's a perfect place to end. Thank you so much, Taylor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Loam Listen. Again, I'm your host, Amirio Freeman. This episode was edited by Isaac Selk with music provided by Isaac Selk. If you liked what you heard, rate this episode, maybe leave a comment, and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss more yummy content. Also, share this episode with someone you love. I know I will. Until next time.